The people that are enjoying my pork and that appreciate my pork are the people that understand the story and respect the life that the animal's been given. The people that are really enjoying my pork are eating it with the knowledge that it's an animal that's been treated with the utmost respect. This is The Crackling. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stumbling upon American farmer Joel Salatin and being overwhelmed by his production on such low acreage, Luke Winder purchased a small property in 2015 and used his model of mimicking nature and a highly rotational template to start his own farm. And he is now producing what many believe are the best pigs in Australia. Luke, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much. What a way to start. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, it's been quite a journey for you. Take us back to that time when that sort of light switch um, went on for you and the inspiration from Joel Salatin. Well, mate, it's uh, it's not the best story at the beginning. My, my, my father got a brain tumour and um, he it was abundantly clear very early on that he was going to need a carer. And I was in the privileged position to be able to leave the employment that I had at the time. Uh, I was an electrician, been been an electrician, did my trade out of high school. Uh, So I left that job and caring for him was a lot of, um, you know, making sure he was fed and comfortable. But where the brain tumour was, his speech went very early on. So my days were filled with, you know, keeping him comfortable and, and, and cleaning up and feeding him. And then I found myself on YouTube a lot, as you do in that sort of situation. And that's where I clamoured into Joel Salton. I have no idea how, I don't know what I was looking at or I don't know why it popped up, but I say to people now, um, sort of go down the Joel Salton rabbit hole with caution because it's been seven years for me. I haven't come out. Um, anyone, that, anyone that can see what this guy is doing, whether you're going to go completely nuts like me and become a farmer or you're just going to maybe assess your own diet and the weight and the food that you're consuming. If you, if you see what this guy's doing, I, I honestly believe it's, you can't unsee it. It's a, it was very motivating for me anyway. How did you go from electrician to farmer? What was the big step for you and, and what was that change like? Well, the other part of that story with my father was um, on his way out, unfortunately, he, he, he did die with a lot of regret, which I've since learned is very normal. And um, because of the difficulties he was having with his, in his brain, he would tell me the same thing over and over and over. And essentially, it was like Groundhog Day for me, him going through all the things he regretted there. And, and I came out of that experience sort of thinking, well, I, I don't want to have this conversation with my kids. And... I was very, very inspired by Joel Salatin and then the natural progression of that is, you know, you find Gabe Brown and you find Colin Sice and you, you, you head down the rabbit hole even further. And I came out of that with a little bit of inheritance and, you know, a conversation started with my wife. Joel Salatin spoke a lot about 100 acres being a, a really good amount of land for somebody that was going to do a multi-species um, regenerative system. And I started looking from there actively, just looking where would I be able to get 100 acres and how much would it be? And then, yeah, we I got outbid a couple of times around this region, but I stumbled upon where I am now. And I have an amazingly supportive wife and family, and 
it started as, you know, I'm going to be out there a couple of days a week and try and clear my day, my head after everything that's happened with dad and give myself a bit of time to get over that. And then <laughs> there was, and this, I'm sure this is the same story with a lot of people. It started with chickens and then got a few pigs and then it's just snowballed into, uh, you know, six protein lines now and full-time job, three staff and, uh, and, um, it, it's definitely, my absolute passion and it's just become our, our lifestyle now that that change from electrician to farmer was was there a moment where you felt like um you sort of had found your feet and everything was starting to work um i've had a few of those moments i guess i've had a few of those moments um you hit milestones personally and within the business that i mean i i definitely would argue that i've got a lot more milestones that i need to hit but um yeah definitely i as, as strange as that sounds, that transition that I did my trade as an elevator mechanic. So a lot of the skills that I had, uh, although I knew absolutely nothing about primary production, a lot of the practical skills that I brought into this industry have really helped me. Um, and, I, and that was a, a pretty, uh, it was a good place to start. I had, I had the practical skill set. I just had to learn about the animal management and, and everything else that comes along with, um, wearing the 500 different hats you have to wear as a primary producer. <laughs> and that's, that's not an exaggeration. Uh, but yeah, mate, it, it might sound like a strange transition, but I don't know. It was, it was something I think deep down in my own heart, uh, I knew was something I did really want to do. And unfortunately it took the catalyst of my father and what happened there for me to probably gain the confidence to really give it a shake. Um, but no, my look, I'll, I'll never look back now. Tell us about how the farm runs. I know it's inspired by um, the likes of Joel Salatin and many others that think about regenerative farming. Um, but tell us a bit about that and how it works. We're on 100 acres on the button, um, and it was essentially the armpit of this region. It was um, when I bought it, we, we couldn't even come down the driveway. Like the agent had to take me through the neighbour. Like it was about 65 acres of blackberry. I had no internal fencing, um, had no water infrastructure, had a little old, uh, about 120 year old asbestos cabin on it. Um, and we now run, uh, we've got the six lines. So we do Aussie white lamb. We do speckled park beef. We've got our beautiful TAS replaced pigs, which the genetics I'm sure will go through later on. Um, I've got the beautiful Marema free range ducks, the peak and Aylesbury ducks. I have a collaboration with Game Farm Australia, who are very, very good friends of mine, and we do the beautiful pastured Japanese quail. And then, of course, we've got the breast chickens, which is uh, our newest addition and something we're very excited about. You just briefly uh, mentioned the pigs. T- tell us about um, the breed of pigs and the role that they play on the farm. Yeah. So I guess the way this place functions is, and at the risk of um, – regurgitating Joel Salton. I'm sure you'll hear a lot of Joel Salton in me, but it's, it's, it's viewing, viewing the way animals work in nature and then allowing to do that within a commercial template. So the pig's role in all that uh, is for me, like I said, I had 65 acres of blackberry. We've never used any chemical. Um, we had no mechanical means of moving it at the beginning. Um, so we use the pigs to clear and to, to, disturb that land to the point where um, we could turn that weeded very, and I'm talking like 
blackberry you can't see over. Like this is well-established blackberry. Uh, but the pigs got in and they ate all the roots and we piled it up and we've had plenty of burns and um, we've essentially got – the blackberry that we have on here now is because my wife won't let me get rid of it because she loves the, the blackberries. Um, but we're well and truly – we've cleared this place now. So the role within – I always say that um, swine are the guilty pleasure of a very robust regenerative system. Okay, so these are only my own personal personal opinions. But if you're only running pigs and anyone that has got pigs and appreciates the disturbance that they do create, even though Joel Sarton likes to call it a massage, it is disturbance. And that's one of the reasons why I don't claim no till. I don't use any mechanical till, but when you've got 300 pigs, it's, I think it's a big call claiming your operation's completely no till. But, um, yeah, if you've got a very robust regenerative system, which is what we built here with the fertility from the ducks and the chickens and obviously the cycling, the biomass cycling of the cattle, um, you can have a certain amount of pigs in a really strong system and get away with it. You know what I mean? It's it's like they are going to create disturbance. You, you are going to have to go and fix up in behind them and seed and, and do all that hard work. But in a very robust regenerative system, you can get away with some swine. Um, anyone that's only raising pigs and claiming a regenerate, a completely regenerative system, I, I, I would question how regenerative a system could really be if it, if it were just pigs. So that's why I say to, to people that come out here, we, we can, we are, we are calling ourselves regenerative pig, regenerative free range pigs, because we've got such a robust system with all the other animals cycling around and the ecosystems and all the amazing things we've been able to create out here that we can afford some swine within that system and get away with it. Well, tell us about the breed that you have there and, and um, why why you've chosen that breed. Yeah, so I've landed on um, a saddleback sow. So we've got the Dominator saddlebacks, which is which pretty well established in this region. Uh, and then we put a Hampshire boar over them. So the... The advantage of the saddleback being the maternal instincts is just amazing. We farrow outside in sheds. And then the disadvantage of the saddleback is generally the ham, pretty, pretty poor quality ham. The, the buttocks it sort of drops away a bit on the, on the Wessex saddleback. Whereas the ham, she has got that beautiful rear end. So the combination of those two pigs is, is working really, really well for us. But part of what I've been trying to do with the relations I've got within the industry and the people that buy pigs off me is just appreciate that you're buying a really beautiful pig that's been bred uh, generationally to live in these conditions. I don't like getting too bogged down on what the genetic lines are. It's a beautiful free range pig that, you know, has is evolving over the generations to live in these conditions. Yeah. Just trying to communicate that with the consumer that let's buy pigs that have been raised the right way and that are contributing back to a regenerative system and not get bogged down by either the genetic line or sort of maybe this even the seven or eight seconds that piece of pork spends in your in your mouth gets a little bit too much emphasis nowadays. I'd love I'd love for people to focus a little bit more about the life that that beautiful animal had, and you know we're talking about an animal with a similar intellect to a dolphin here. Let, let's. Let's make sure that they've had a really, a really, a really beautiful and comfortable life doing things that pigs naturally can do, and uh, less less focus on genetic lines and and flavour, I guess. 
Well, tell us about that environment and the life that the pigs do have on the farm. What, what sort of conditions are they in, and what you know the region that you're in? What role does that play in um, you know the quality of life for them? Yeah, so we're lucky, I guess, with our rainfall out here, um, and we've got very strong perennial pastures. Um, but the system here is we've got this place broken down into acre cells, which allows our management just to be bang on. So whether I want a paddock disturbed to, to the point where I then want to go in and reseed, the, the pigs can allow me that level of management. Or if you bounce your pigs around fast enough, they sort of just graze like like any herbivore. So if you bounce them around really quickly, they're not really getting an opportunity to, to generate any disturbance or you can go the complete other direction and have them completely clean up um, native kangaroos, grasses and stuff that's not so desirable and allow you to then reseed in behind them. So we've got, like I said, some paddocks that are uh, we've spent a lot of money on and that are fantastic. Pigs don't get very long in those paddocks. Um, we bounce them around really aggressively, but other times we want that level of management and that disturbance, and we and we use it accordingly. The the outcome is in a pretty amazing um, pig, but tell us about the relationships that you've fostered with with chefs, and does does their input have any sort of contribution into the direction that you take with the pigs? Yeah, definitely. So. I've got amazing relationships. In saying that, I've put a, wor- a lot of work into creating relationships with head chefs and sous chefs and butchers and wholesalers and, and all these people that um, that buy our produce. And earlier on, definitely definitely had a role in, in shaping the, the pig that I was trying to produce. Um, also, I guess working directly with the farmer, you can be a lot more um, accurate with the weights that you want. Like some people want pigs at... 90 kilos and other people want them at 50 kilos and that's all fine. And if you're working directly with a producer, it's really easy for the producer to, to have that product and get it in the size, exact size you want. But, um, yeah, I, I have, I, I put a lot of emphasis on getting these chefs and these butchers and whoever they are on, on the farm. If I can get them out here and I can show them this system and I can show them the, the, the swine's role and how important the swine are to this system, um, and they go away with that level of knowledge, you really are creating a customer for life there. And that's been priceless for us in our business, especially with the pigs. If With everything I've done, to be honest, the, the pigs have been the hardest sell, believe it or not, even the even though um, there aren't a lot of – there's definitely not a, regener- a lot of regenerative pork producers in the country. And a lot of that's probably my fault. It's taken me four or five years to get the product right. But we've gone from – oh, my God, geez, I hope we can sell these bloody pigs to just having a waiting list and, and feeling like you're forever knocking people back now, which is a great position to be in, I guess, for the business. But um, yeah, I, I, I can never have enough pigs now. <laughs> Who are some of those key chefs, particularly in the early days? And do you have any stories of the, the connections um, that you fostered with, with them? Oh, definitely. Um, in the case of the business, um, some of the biggest relationships and the, the people that um, have been supporting me for the longest are definitely number one would be Peter Gilmore um, with Key and Benelong and, and that group of restaurants and his chefs like Troy and Brian Murray and all those guys. I know them all really well. Rod, um, they've been he's been absolutely amazing. I mean, a lot of the stuff I've been able to create out here. I mean, a big part of my story is that I, I didn't start with 
there was no investor swept through here and dropped five million dollars on me. Uh, my working capital here was ten thousand dollars. So if it wasn't for people like Peter Gilmore supporting me from the beginning, I, I would never have gotten to the point where I am today. Um, Game Farm Australia, I've already mentioned. So Daniel and Scott from Game Farm Australia. Um, I think there's a lot of small scale producers that are scared of wholesalers and think that getting that retail dollar is a be all and end all. And when you begin and when you start out is great. Uh, I mean, still to this day, I have my own subscription service that home delivers. I, I still have that retail arm, but using someone like Game Farm and their experience in their logistical power and their sales power, uh, that, that took us to a new level. Um, Grant from Feather and Bone, again, absolute loyalty. Um, not a big group of restaurants, but uh, Scott from Regazi. Um, I'm not sure if you might have even heard of Regazi. It's a small uh, restaurant in Sydney, but I mean, you wouldn't believe what this guy buy. I mean, he's buying at least a pig, a lamb and 50 or 60 ducks a week off me. I mean, these guys, they, they punch above their weight. I mean, I could go on all day, mate. Uh, I have been very, very lucky with, with my market customers. I mean, I did a market for five years and the same women, and I say women because they were, they turn up rain, hail, shine every single week. So, um, you know, we, we are consistent in our product, which is something that a lot of smaller tier sort of producers struggle with that consistency. So I'm not suggesting that we haven't worked hard and, and, and built these relationships with this bit of credit back to us, but the, the loyalty and, and it, it, people like Peter Gilmore, you can ring him and say, Oh, Pete, like last week, um, we can't get across Richmond River. The duck abattoir is at Tennyson. I didn't get to kill one duck last week, right? So, you know, ring Pete. He's like, mate, I understand. Don't worry about it. We'll work it out. We'll buy them off you. We'll get them through. These are the sort of relationships that we really need. And um, I've been very, very lucky. with. And look, there's another 50 people that are going to listen to this and say, oh, you didn't mention me because I, you know, I'm very lucky with the support that I've garnished. What are the challenges of farming pigs? Do you have any stories of the challenges that you've had over the years? Oh, mate. Oh, my God. <laughs> they are. They are of, of everything, I'll tell you this before I go start slagging out pigs. Of, every, of everything I do out here, the pigs are my absolute number one passion. And I've done a lot of podcasts about chickens and ducks and whatever, but this is the first time I've, I've dived into the pigs. And I can tell you now, I absolutely love them. When you look into a pig's eyes, it looks back at you and it looks through you, it looks into you, right? You look at a sheep or you look at a chicken, man, I'm telling you, there's nothing there, right? So I really am passionate about the pigs, but oh my God, like keeping pigs in is, I always say to people, it's a, it's a, it's it's a it's a relationship that you gain with your pigs, and if you feed them and they've got water, they might stay in for you. It's a, you know, it's it's not can they get out? They can get out. You're talking about a a 200 kilo animal with a center of gravity that's about three inches off the ground, right? There's nothing's going to actually stop them. So, you know, training them when they're young, and 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 we've 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 moved into some like unbelievably expensive but robust fencing systems now. They're much much better. But keeping pigs in and moving pigs around at the beginning without lanes and without proper yards, it's just, oh, it's cost me ten years of my life. I can guarantee you that. Um, you have no idea having boars that that, that aren't so friendly and and. 
you know, you ask pigs to move. You don't tell them. You know, you can tell sheep to move. You can even tell cattle to move, you know, if you're aggressive and angry enough. There's no amount of aggression or you're, you're asking a pig politely to move. And if she moves for you, then you're winning that day, right? We don't. So, oh, mate, very, very challenging. And look, let's be honest, it's not many people doing it. And unfortunately, even really, really recently, we're losing some of our amazing free range pork producers. And they're, for whatever reason, I, I honestly think it's an, indus- an industry in decline. Um, I've lost quite a few competitors in the last four or five years. Um, and if it wasn't something that I absolutely love doing it, I mean, there's times I probably could have given it up myself, but I do really, really love pigs as stupid as that sounds. And, uh, I love eating pork. I love all the products. I mean, I love the versatility of pork. I love the yield. I mean, compared to, to cattle and sheep, um, what, what, what you can yield from a pig is absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, I, I love everything about them, mate. But I, yeah, like I said, so many challenges. I mean, what what do you want to hear? What story do you want to hear? God, mate, I've got them all. Like up the road, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, very very challenging. But um, in hindsight, now I don't I don't regret it. Well, there's a lot of chefs that really love the product that you do produce. What do you think is so special about the pigs that you produce? Well, touching on what I said before. Um, the people that are enjoying my pork and that appreciate my pork are the people that understand the story and respect the life that the animal's been given. I'd like to think that my pork does taste amazing, and it does, and we get an amazing – one of the challenges getting the diet right for your region, and, and Vela stock, feeds, stock feed's been amazing for me, and getting that consistency in fat. Um, and the flavour is incredible – but I think the people that are really enjoying my pork are eating it with the knowledge that it's an animal that's been treated with the utmost respect. It's been allowed to, to be a pig and to, to, to be with its mum for 16 weeks and, you know, to have that beautiful silvo pasture and grass to eat and worms to eat and tree sap and bark and, you know, they'll eat anything. You stand, you stand still long enough and they're chewing on your shoe. Um, so the people that are really enjoying my pork are understanding that not only is the animal getting respect and, and there's the animal itself having a wonderful life, but that animal being alive and living out here is actually contributing to a regenerative system. So it's a part of a system that is rebuilding topsoils and sequestering carbon and, and building beautiful perennial pastures and, and doing all the amazing things that happens in the regen world. And these pigs are contributing to that. I don't think there's too many people that can honestly say that they, they have pigs in a very robust regenerative system. And that's something that I'm really proud. I can Not only can I say it, uh, you're welcome to come out here and I'll show you. You mentioned um, some of the amazing chefs that are using your product. What sort of experiences have you had eating your pork in a restaurant and how did it feel? Yeah, there's nothing better. There's there's nothing better. And um Part of primary production in this, in this country that I think is missing uh, is that feedback loop. So, admittedly, I've probably got a big enough ego, but um, the the thought of you know growing five hundred acres of canola and it disappearing on a truck, or raising beautiful cattle and then a truck comes and it just disappears, and there's no feedback loop and there's no appreciation for the producer. I think. 
it's an important step that we're missing and, and we all know about the suicide rate amongst farmers and it's, it's all very, very upsetting. So there's no better feeling than going into a restaurant and chef's eyes, you know, glowing and, and they're full of praise and then they sit you down, they want to cook, you know, you, you're sick of pork by the time you end, by the time you leave these restaurants because, you, you know, they just, they, they, they're so passionate about, they know how much work goes into growing the pork this way and they want to sit you down and, and, and they cook you this inc- incredible product and tell you how amazing it is. And then, you, you know, they will tell you that, you know, everyone's really appreciating it and they're passing on the story and everyone that the orders the pork understands the system. And, and it is amazing, mate. It is, it is a, a massive, um, not ego boost, but it's just lovely to get some feedback you, you have no idea if you, if you don't know a farmer you have no idea how hard these people are working to produce to produce food in this country i honestly believe we've got the best farmers in the world and regardless of what system or what they're producing they're working unbelievably hard and to get some feedback f- from someone you know like from a head chef or like we're talking about some I'm lucky enough to be dealing with some of the, the industry heavy hitters and for them to look you in the eyes and thank you and tell you how amazing your product is. It, it does go a long way, mate. When you, the last two weeks when you're out and you're soaked down to your underwear and you're falling over in pig shit and you know, you can, at least you can think back and think, you know, well, there's been, there've been some really amazing moments as well. You, you became a farmer through tragic circumstances, but how much has this change and, um, affected you and changed you well it's my it's my entire existence now mate to be honest um I, I, my business is at the point now where i i have incredible staff and i can step away um that's still much harder for me to do but it's it's a lifestyle this 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 form of multi-speciated the smaller scale farms it becomes your lifestyle you know the kids get home and they're on their motorbikes and they want to help dad move cattle or move pigs around and it your 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 professional life your work let's call it i hate using that word because um i love it so much i don't really consider it work but it 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 becomes it becomes part of your socializing with your friends and your family everyone wants to come out the farm and stay and be a part of what you're doing and then you know when you when you do go to sydney or you go to canberra or wherever you you'll go and eat at these restaurants and you're getting that incredible feedback and um you have to live it. You have to, if you're not, if you're not enjoying the day to day and your fire's not burning, your passion's not burning, you couldn't do this. It's too hard. It's too hard. I mean, I think about the last three weeks of just pissing down rain and losing culverts and losing gates and fences and trees falling over and losing piglets and chicks and, and all sorts of stuff that happens. You know, it's, it's, this year has been a bit of an outlier and, and the floods and stuff are heartbreaking. But if you, if, if it wasn't your entire love and passion and existence and you didn't eat, live and breathe it, you, you wouldn't be able to do it. You'd give up. It's too hard. You're one of the few that um, offer the experience for people to come and see what you do with, with farm tours. I know it's um, better to actually experience it than, than talk about it. But can you tell us what people might experience if they come up and go on one of these farm tours? Yeah, definitely. So you're going to learn about the way all the different animals that we have here are contributing to building the ecosystems that we've created out here. You're going to learn about 
um, microorganisms and the microbes in the soil and how important they are and how chemical use essentially just eradicates that. Um, you're going to learn about beautiful speckled park beef and you're going to learn about the Aussie white, beautiful Aussie white lambs that not a lot of people know about. Um, you're going to, you're going to appreciate, you'll see photos and stuff of the way that the, this land looked before we got here and what we've been able to achieve. Um, you're going to see a transition between part of the properties that's, you know, hardwood posts cut on snot site out of squiggly gum, um, with timber stays and, and two and three wire fences through to the transition to, you know, concreted steel posts and, really robust fencing systems and um, new newer water systems. And you'll see my trend. You can walk from one end of this place to the other and see where I had absolutely no money um, and no idea through to uh, a fantastic system now that's, you know, and, and I, it's something that producers don't talk about them as much because there's an image in Australia of farmers that are just battling all the time or farmers are just battlers, you know, like they're always in drought or they're in flood or, well, we've got to change that image. And, and I'm pretty open about the fact that we do have a profitable business here. I'm never going to be a multi-squillionaire, but um, we have a system here where our staff get paid well and have good conditions and, and I do earn a living. And um, I think that's an important message to get out. You can, you know, you can get your white collar salary, uh, if you if you so desire to have your hands in the dirt and become a farmer, that there is a way of creating a, a white collar salary even on a hundred acres. Well, what you've created there is absolutely extraordinary, and you know so many people love what you are producing. Uh, but what do you love about what you're doing? Well, I love every day. I love the challenges that it brings me, and I love the fact that me and my family get to eat beautiful, nutrient dense, chemical free food. Um, my second son has a lot of special needs and we've seen f- amazing results in him eating this way. We have a market gardener on site. So essentially all we, all we eat really is, is what we produce here. Uh, I love the physicality of the work. I like being healthy and being outside and, um, that's really important for my own mental health as well. Um, I love the people that I work with. I've got fantastic staff here. I love all the chefs and even the, the, the home subscribers, it's a wonderful system with that feedback loop that we've already discussed. Um, I love being in it, even innovative. Um, the, some of the systems I have here, but part of the problem with going down the Joel Salatin um, rabbit hole is that a lot of, I mean, I've read all these books, but a lot of, of what's written, it doesn't work here. It's we're a different economy, we're different size cities, we're different genetic lines we're paying a lot more for feed we're paying a lot more for processing um you know we don't have abattoirs that are 15 and 20 minutes away um so i say be inspired by joel salatin but then find an australian producer that's doing what you want and maybe get in there because you can toss out any of the numbers that you read in joel salatin's book completely i mean double them to be honest um, if you want to, if you want to have a crack at some of these endeavors, endeavors in Australia, um, but yeah, it's an amazing lifestyle, mate. You, you got to love it. Um, like I said, we, we, it's, it's just our entire life now. We absolutely love it, and I mean, I, I wouldn't, I definitely couldn't go back to what I was doing now. What are you, what are you most proud of? Um, geez, probably seeing my boys and the way that they contribute. 
Um, it, you know, my oldest son's 12 now, but he's probably still the best staff member I've got. Um, my wife is amazing. And, you know, none of this, anyone that's been in around a family business appreciates that anyone can grow a chicken, anyone can grow a pig. It's, it's what my wife's doing in the, on the back end that's keeping everything churning over. Uh, but look, I am very proud. I, I don't think, um, a lot of people understand. You said before that, that we, we open this place up. We're essentially open 365 days a year. Anyone wants to come out and have a look around. I'm very proud to show people what I've done. I don't believe, and this is only my own very limited knowledge, I don't believe anyone has a robust, a robust multi-speciated system with six protein lines that are all profitable. Well, let's, cave, let's call five profitable at this point. Um, and building building a regenerative system that's as robust as what we've been able to create out here. Um, and I think we have been innovative as far as the housing, the housing and the, some of the methodologies we use, especially in and around the quail, um, the fencing systems that we use and the water systems that we use. It's all very different. I haven't, there's been no cutting pasting here. Everything's been, Mark one, Mark two, Mark three, Mark four, until I land on something that starts to work. And um, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of, I'm, I'm proud of how innovative we are. And um, yeah, I honestly do think we're, we're doing something pretty unique. Well, Luke, it's incredible what you've created there, and it's an absolute honour to have you on the Crackling today to hear just a little bit of your story. Um, please keep in touch, and we'll catch up again soon. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. This is the Crackling. A Deep in the Weeds production in partnership with Porkstart. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we catch up with some of Australia's best chefs and pork producers to discover what makes Australian pork so special.